From the podcasting studio in the Reynolds School of Journalism, this is Residual Culture. A media mixtape. I'm Ben Birkenbein. And I'm Joey Lovato. And we have a guest today. Hello, everybody. I'm Paul Mitchell. <laughs> How's it going, Paul? I'm good. Professor Paul Mitchell joining us today in the studio. Uh, and we, so what happened was we've been trying to get Paul on for a while and it finally came together today. Uh, Paul had given us a recommendation of something to listen to. So we thought we'd use that recommendation to launch into a broader conversation today. So Paul recommended, what, actually, you want to tell the, the listeners what you recommended to us? Well, I, I recommended uh, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Uh, that whole album to me is uh, just a just a great piece of work. We haven't talked about music in a while. A lot of times we focus on movies and television, and we've got we've got like f- five or six episodes on on music, and I we, I think we're trying to do more and more of that. So time to is, get back. We're gonna talk about Marvin Gaye. We're gonna talk about early early hip hop and stuff like that. And mm. um, yeah, do you want to talk about like what you teach before we get into all that, and just kind of what you talk about? Um, yeah, well, uh, I teach a narrative storytelling class. I took that uh, about what. Three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah. 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 I remember you in, in that class. <laughs> I was Uh-oh, um, unforgettable. He was unforgettable. I, that was an unforgettable <laughs> class for sure. I was a little bit of a pain, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that you got some people to think differently. Hopefully. And that was uh, that was really important at that time. So <laughs> very diplomatically said, Paul. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. <laughs> but um yeah, not the not yeah, controversial figure maybe in the class. <laughs> it, it was an interesting time because that was in, that was just an interesting time. Sure, I mean, twenty. This is, this is pre-election, I think. Twenty fifteen, yeah, twenty fifteen. Yeah, Probably in the run-up, I would yeah. imagine, yeah. So, mm-hmm. to election time. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so that's that's beside the point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about. So I, I listened to Mar- the whole what's going on today before we before we started recording, and I listened to it about three weeks ago when we were trying to plan it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So Ben, have you you've listened to it? Yes, I have listened to it. I am a big Marvin Gaye fan, I would say, as well. In fact, I do have um, some Marvin Gaye albums on vinyl since I'm my l- relatively limited record collection. But yes, Marvin Gaye is there, so I'm familiar. It's a classic album. It, it, go ahead, Paul. No, I, I have it on vinyl too, and I have it um, CD form as well. Why is it so like? Is this like your favorite album of all time? Would you say? Or uh, it's it's definitely up there. Okay. Um, to me, that that album is an iconic album, and 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 the reason I say that is because it's really looking at the time, what was going on at that particular time. Like, is it seventy one? Yeah, it's it's out? it's early seventies. Um, so you had, you, you know, you just had a whole bunch of stuff going on. You had Vietnam going mm-hmm. on. You had um, there was a lot of uh, race situations going on um and really uh marvin gay was probably one of the first people to look at global warming and what was yeah. going on with that kind of stuff so i mean he was he was really ahead of his time when when he was looking at all this stuff well that's what surprised me when i was listening to it was the uh, like the ecological message that was behind the the album you know when i listen to music i don't particularly listen to the words um mm. that's something that i think shocked Ben the first time we talked about it it's I listen to the like the tune I listen to the Mm -hmm. instruments the words kind of are secondary for me a lot of time but it's definitely something that even though I don't like focus on the words it still stuck out to me I was like wow this is this really does have a very like like nature focused message and a lot of a lot of peace and love and and coming together and not fighting I mean that was kind of the, the overall message that I took away from it at least yeah I mean when when you think about that era and that era of music I mean it was it was it was about the music. I mean, James Brown and some of the other uh, growing up in Philadelphia. So you had this the international sound of Philadelphia. You had Motown. 
Um, so it was a, it was really about the music, but this album was really about the words. And um, you know what a lot of people don't know is who performed on this album. I mean, you, yeah. had, you had the Funk Brothers who were on this album, and their work is just extensive in not only Marvin Gaye and Motown, but just a whole lot of folks in the industry who they influenced. Mm -hmm. And they also had uh, a couple football players oh, really? at, at the time hmm. um, uh, who were pretty well-known in Detroit, uh -huh. uh, Lem Barney and um, Mel Farr. They were also... Um, Mel Farr was a running back for the Detroit Lions, and Lem Barney was a defensive back for the um, for the Lions, and they they were background singers. Okay, on, hmm. on, on this album, so a lot of people don't know that. But when yeah. I was looking at the songs, like uh, in like nowadays, when you look at a song and it's featuring somebody, it usually says like featuring you know X mm -hmm. or whatever. But but the, like. Back then, at least, I, I didn't notice that they did that. And so I heard these other voices on the songs. I didn't know who they were. I just assumed that they were popular musicians at the time, but I couldn't yeah. place them. So yeah. they were football players. Is that These were football players. That's not something yeah. you hear today at no. all. I mean, I've never imagined hearing a football player on no. that song. Or, no. if you, or if you did, it was sort of a, well, uh, n not a real good attempt. Like, yeah, I'm just thinking yeah. of some of like the like the 80s and 90s. Like Even like uh, Shaquille O'Neal came out with a rap album oh, yeah, like, in yeah. the 90s. Shaq Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> And Kobe Bryant did too. Kobe, yeah, yeah, Kobe Bryant yeah, did. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yep. Kobe did too. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. what? What's? Do you have a favorite song on the album? You know, I would say probably "What's Going On." Okay, is is my favorite. But um, to me, the the interesting thing about and and this is uh, interesting because I, I just saw Bohemian Rhapsody oh, the other yeah. night yeah. with Queen. I also just saw it. Like, how was it? Like very recently. People, people said the acting was great, but the movie was kind of a letdown. Thoughts? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Ben. Thoughts, Ben? <laughs> no, I, I do think that the acting was really good. I thought, I thought the movie was, was well done overall. I think the thing that, that got me specifically for that movie was, I didn't go see it until after I found out it won the Golden Globe for Best Picture. So I was expecting, I think, something really good. But I had heard from other people the same thing that you heard, is that it was good but not great. Mm. And um, I would I would tend to agree, but I think it was, I think it was still well done, like sure. as an entirety. It's just that some of the things I knew, I guess, already, like being kind of a Queen fan and being kind of a Freddie Mercury fan, other things I did not know and I'm not – exactly sure how uh, kind of truthful they are to the actual biography of Freddie Mercury. But mm. um, so anyways, I thought it was, I thought it was, it was good. I, I, think, th I think the one thing that was really nice and maybe, cause you haven't seen it, right? I you haven't seen it. Yeah. But I just thought the way that they did, I'd be curious to see how they filmed the scene at Live Aid. Like yeah. when they recreated that. Yeah. Because that's, that was impressive. And there were some yeah. just even like camera things that were done in that whole sequence that I was like, well, that was like some trick. That was great. Things. Yeah. Yeah. That, so there was some really interesting stuff that was done during that as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I brought that up because I did not know at that time that Queen had, you know, that song was six minutes. I didn't know it was oh, that yeah. long. Yeah. And so when you look at the, the Marvin Gaye, con this album, I mean, it's just basically going from one song to the next song that's, to the next song. That's what I was going to say is I never like noticed when one song ended and the next began. It was just like, wait, I've been listening to this song for like 10 minutes now. And then I'm like, whoa, I'm four songs into it. What do you, right. I, I can't believe this. Right. And so, I mean, that's, you know, when you look at that body of work that it just continued. It was really it cool. Was, it was really cool. It was really well done. And it was, 
I think it was really um, somebody really thought that out. Mm-hmm. And, and and originally Barry Gordy hated it. Really? And he he hated was that it. the producer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's Motown. Barry Gordy is Motown producer, okay. and he didn't he didn't like it because and, because of its like seamlessness between songs. Uh, that was part of it. Um, there were some other challenges, from what I understand, that were going on too. But mm-hmm. um, you know, Marvin was insistent, and um, they they recorded it partially in Detroit, and then partially out in California. Okay. Uh, so well, there was another portion of it that was remade in california excuse me so i mean it was just like you know you you listen to this to this body of work and then you think about what was going on at that time just like with queen i mean homosexuality was was something that you really didn't talk about um you know you had racial strife and division uh when marvin was was talking about what he was talking about and you know like i said global warming Mm -hmm. you know he was one of the one of the crusaders for global warming and not a lot of people know that yeah and actually if you think about that time frame too so not only is music changing in general but like coming out of the 1960s so this album's released like early 1970s you had basically what many people believe to be the the end of the kind of summer of love in like 1969 and then it ushered in the 70s and there was all this kind of like economic difficulty right with tension with the inflation Cold War started to take off. Vietnam was there, and it just really started to transform. And I think that what's going on, you know, there's there is a question mark mm-hmm. at the end of what's going on, but it almost could be a period at the same time yeah, because I mean, he's talking about what's going on, but he's also bemoaning the fact, like, what is going on, right? Yes. And it's a really interesting commentary and uh, kind of a, a, a this this great cultural artifact from that moment mm-hmm. to, to raise all these issues and also make a plea to everyone, right? To just kind of stop it. Like, what are we doing, right? Well, yeah, that's yeah. what I liked about it. And he kept just kind of saying like, you know, come together and like love one another and all this stuff. And it was just, it was very, you know, I would say now is also kind of a time where people are pretty divided. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice to just hear this like, come together and try and work things out. Well, well to me, it's interesting that, you know, this album was made in the, in the early seventies and, and, and as a species, you know, we would think that as human beings, we have evolved. Uh, but then you see what's going on now and you realize, mm, maybe not, maybe, maybe we haven't evolved as, yeah. as, much as far as we thought, as we, thought we had, yeah. which to reinforce your point still makes it relevant today. Like you listen no to this question. stuff now and you're like, he, Man, like it's everything still remains relevant. Yeah, it's what, like what it's he's talking residual about residual culture. Yeah. <laughs> yes, which is yes. a great topic to talk about <laughs> yes. on this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting for for me musically at least. The last the last song, Inner City Blues, really was I think my favorite track. I think it just had a really nice bass line that really kind of got your head bobbing a little bit but that was just no for, question for me i just that one really stuck out to me a little bit more than the rest we mm-hmm. talked about this a little bit earlier too because i said yeah. the exact same thing inner city I blues just, yeah i love yeah. that song yeah, yeah it's great inner city blues and then the parentheses is makes me want to holler yeah 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 so. i mean i think that that's 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 symbolic of you know at that time where people are just thinking man what what are we doing and why are we doing this you know, it, actually, this that, that reminds me, um, my first year here in, in Reno, I was walking, I, I used to teach sort of across um, Virginia, Virginia Street at another building, 
And so I had to cross Virginia every... One of the only places on campus where you taught across the street. It it is. It's the only place on campus. It's the only place, yeah. (laughs) Actually, I guess I didn't think about that. But yeah, that's right. So it's the only place across the street. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So anyways, um, so I'm walking across um, Virginia one day, and then I hear this like car rolling up with just like, you know, you you can tell that the music is just being played really loud, Mm. and it's just like shaking with bass. And then, so I'm crossing the street as this as this guy's pulling up in his car, but it's actually what he's bumping is inner city blues. Makes really? me want to holler. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so then I went into my class and I played that song before class because I'm like, I just heard this song. I haven't heard it for a long time because at that point I hadn't. And so I was like, it's such a good song. You know, I was really yeah. pleased to hear that being uh, blasted out of the windows. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to me, that that whole that whole album is is almost like. It, it was almost like the second generation of rap music, of of genre of, of you, really looking at a story in its entirety. Sure, yeah. You know, and and would you consider this rap? I would. I would consider it the well. At that time, the last poets were were the original to me. Sure, yeah. To me, the 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 last poets were the original rap artists mm-hmm. as as I look at it okay as I as I as I look at rap that yeah. to me those guys were the first rap well and because you know rap wasn't around in the 70s or at least to the extent that it is now I mean so when I growing up you know in, in like the early 2000s you know rap was a much different a much different beast than it is than it is even today but right. back then you know, like what is considered rock and roll? Like Elvis is considered rock and roll, but if you showed that to a five-year-old, they'd be like, "What? This isn't like rock." <laughs> what right, do you mean? Right. But you know, w- with with the Last Poets, I mean, they were the Last Poets and Gil Scott Heron. They were they were really the ones who who really looked at what's going on here, mm-hmm. and um, and especially Gil Scott Heron looking at South Africa, what was happening in South Africa with the apartheid, you know, the apartheid regime and everything. So, you know, and then you. Then you fast forward and you have you have Marvin who obviously cut his chops as a singer, you know. I mean, everybody knew who Marvin Gaye was because of his of, of his singing with uh, Tammy Terrell, but it was the ability to tell an, a story in its entirety throughout the whole album. You know, I think that there are, there are segments of the story, but it's basically the same story. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that I think is is really really important. So yeah, it was almost like here is this guy coming in, and he's telling neighborhoods or asking neighborhoods what's going on, what is going on in this community, and everybody that you know, if you were um, a person of color in a community in a large city, you could relate to it. I mean, Detroit. I'm from Philadelphia, New York. Baltimore, Washington, everybody could relate to that kind of stuff. I mean, you're talking about folks coming back from G- from Vietnam. Some of them are on the GI Bill. They can go to school. Not a lot of people were going to school prior to that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this was really important stuff. And and asking, you know, what is happening in your neighborhood? But it was really kind of synonymous what was going on throughout all neighborhoods, that there was economic disparity, um, there was strife, there was turmoil, there were drugs. Um, it was just a, it was just not a good time. Yeah. And that's that plea at, towards the end, right? Yeah. It makes me want to holler. Exactly. Right? Throw up my hands. Makes me want to holler. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And then, you know, holy, holy, you know, it's like, yeah. hey, let's let's take it back to church. Let's uh, let everybody go back to church. But, you know, not everybody's believing in the same God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's also interesting. I'm thinking about that, too, because Marvin, you mentioned Marvin Gaye, how he, uh, you know, became uh, very well known through his his kind of uh, his singing career earlier. But what's going on also represents like a trend, a transformation in Marvin Gaye's career, because yes. It's not only this album. I think this is the first album that was like the real major change, right? He had a, mm-hmm. a series of albums before this, but all of them were kind of uh, somewhat crooner, but mm-hmm. like like singer songwriter, well, not even that, just like you know, just R and B, Motown R and B kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? So, ain't no mountain high enough, right? right, um, right. Uh, and, and and those kind of songs, uh, and then this album comes out, and it's more of a complete album, like telling yeah. a story all the way through. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, people were doing at that time because consciousness was being raised about social issues throughout the 1960s. You started mm-hmm. to have social movements against things. So whether right. it's, you know, even civil rights movement, anti-war movement, the women's movement, right. all of these things are happening. And then it all kind of, it doesn't quite get where all those movements thought they were going to be. Right. And then cap it off with... You know whether it's uh, the Rolling Stones at Altamont and the the kind of the Hell's Angels murdering somebody in the mm-hmm. in the crowd, and then in the 1970s get ushered in, and all the stuff start starts happening. You know, you, mm-hmm. like you said, you got all this stuff happening, like um, veterans coming home from Vietnam, and then it's like, what what's going on here? Right. right. The the only album that I can think of from that time, and I'm no expert in 70s music, was is um, I can't remember the, um, Rush's album, the the 2021. Yeah. <laughs> 2021. It's or like the 20, only that, 21, yeah, 21, 12, 21, 12, I think. Yeah, and it's the only one that it, it, it has like a continuous story, right? Okay. Through the whole thing. That's the only, mm-hmm. like, and other than that, like, when I heard this, because nowadays, like, it's that's a little more common to get like, a continuous story throughout an album, but it, it made me think, like, there's a, only a few bands that were doing that back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, like, as it as it progresses, you're getting, it's, it's more and more common. Right. Queen was one of them. Yeah. Queen, yeah. Was, yeah. They, they, they did it. So. Queen, the Beatles. The Beatles did right. it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pink Floyd. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think actually even the long play record was sort of ushered in by Frank Sinatra and the wee, hour, oh. wee small hours of the night or whatever, mm-hmm. kind of telling this story throughout the whole thing. And then the long play record becomes a thing. And then people are like, wait, we've got all this time instead of just like 45 singles. Yeah, right. We could tell a bigger story. And they start thinking about the format and mm-hmm. what they could do with that. Well, mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, but the way that music listening has changed generation to generation, I don't listen to an album from beginning to end from the first song to the last song in order. Mm-hmm. I just find a band and I just hit shuffle on my phone and yep. I just listen to all their music and there's right. no... You know, there's no rhyme or reason between the songs. And I think that you're missing something actually a lot of the time when you do that. And I think that a lot of my generation is missing a lot of stuff when you're not listening to an album in, it, in its entirety from mm-hmm. beginning to end the way it's meant to be listened to. And that's that's a really good point. And especially for this album, yes. right? Because yes. oh, for sure. listeners out there, you may know the song, What's Going On, yeah. right? right? But we would implore you to listen to the full album, right? Take the time because you get a better appreciation for what... Marvin Gaye was trying to say, and you get introduced to the other stuff beyond just what's going on. I mean, obviously that is a an iconic song, but like Mm -hmm. listening to the thing in its entirety has that that added benefit. Well, it it almost has like a like a like a 
not a three act structure, but it has a movie type structure, and it has yes. it has conflict. I mean, it, I mean, it, it deals with religion, it deals mm. with like the community and its problems, it deals with the, ecolo- the ecological problems that I was talking mm. about, and then it kind of again it kind of wraps up in the inner city blues with taking everything and really kind of suffering through it and asking what what's, what's happening. And yeah, like yeah. D- d- what's interesting to me is if you if you took all the music out the words will still float no matter mm-hmm. what portion of the album you're in you know the words will still flow yeah it's not that way when you add the music though when you add the music it's you know because there's 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 a you know a bass line in the beginning you know boom 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 do 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 you know so and then it, it and then it picks up a little bit mm-hmm. and then it comes back down you know, and then you're ending, you know, and then you have Holy Holy where it's real serene, you know. But the way he transitions between those songs is you still don't totally notice the change. It's a very subtle yes, change. Yes, it's a very subtle change. And then you're like, oh, wait, I think I'm on a different song now. Yeah. Like once you're halfway through that song is when you realize you're like, yeah. oh, this is the next song. Yeah, <laughs> which is interesting when you're listening to it and it's shuffling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Well, that's the thing. Yeah. The first time I did listen to it, yeah. I did shuffle it. And I'm yeah. like, song, next to song, next song, yeah. next song. And then I listened to it today first song to last song and i'm like it is one song yes mm-hmm. yes so. it is one song and that experimentation not only with the format i think which is i was just thinking about this because we were you know i was talking about the the long play record and then m- using all the time on that record to tell a bigger story like these kind of concept albums or just a continuous kind of story that it lasts throughout and then not long after this is when you get the emergence of hip hop where you get the yes. DJ starting yes. to sample pieces of a record and put it together in different ways. Right. Yes. And yes. It, that's the stuff. And not only that, but those baselines also become something, you know, that people s- seek out, right. Mm-hmm. And try to remix to do their own thing. Yeah. And, I, I, I'm just curious. I don't, I don't, do you remember anybody using those words though? in as a sample, I, I know people have used the baselines as samples, but the words yeah the only thing i can remember and i can't remember exactly who it was that used it is they may have used just a small sample of you know marvin gay just kind of doing one of his little flighty things mm-hmm. like in the mm-hmm. background as part of a beat right okay. mm-hmm. just a small little sample but i don't know about the words yeah you know? i don't i don't remember anybody but using. to your point earlier like like the last poets gil scott heron um marvin gay mm-hmm. especially like what they began and I think that this is where the parallels for hip hop kind of draw is like they began a, a process of spoken word kind of poetry, politically or socially conscious lyrics, yes. talking about either issues affecting local communities, the globe, uh, between nations, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, and providing a critique, but also a message of empowerment, right? Mm-hmm. That that we or you and you and I all have the power to make that change. Mm-hmm. And so what, you know, that runs through hip hop, at least socially conscious hip hop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but just the music and what's created underneath that uh, or the, the kind of foundations of the music change, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it goes just from a James Jamerson bass line to some remixed kind of beat that, you know, you just get a snare drum and start layering on top of that, mm-hmm. you know? And, that, and that's what I was going to ask, Paul, is like, where did we go from Marvin Gaye in 71? What's going on? Where, where's kind of the next evolution in music when we get to like the 80s and 90s? Where did you see like people drawing inspiration from him and how did he form the, the genre of hip hop and stuff? Um, 
I don't really remember much during the 80s, quite honestly. But, um, <laughs> and you could, I guess you could take that a couple of different ways. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking about um, a show that I used to watch when I was living in New Jersey, working in New York, and there was, uh, there was a show out in New York where they were showing a lot of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And, and as I was listening... To this, to me, it was it was a new genre of music. Um, you know, I'm listening to the musical influence because a lot of those guys had musical influences from the '50s and the '60s. I mean, if you listen sure, to yeah. you listen to like um, uh, Guru and uh, um, I mean Guru and uh, and DJ Premier, they were they were sampling some stuff, man. That's that was definitely it was it was a lot of R&B beginning R&B stuff um and they were putting some um positive positive messages positive messages out mm-hmm. there you know and so when i when i when i think about that um i think that what would happen and this is just me personally um then it became um it started going away from positivity and that's and, that's what i was gonna ask is the positive is the positive message kind of what makes you enjoy that album so much and then wh- where do you see it now even like do you see that positive message being tr- trying to kind of break its way back into the genre or I, I think that um you know when i listen to to some of the of the hip-hop now i mean i listen if i listen to like j cole and stuff sure. i mean it's 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 it's, it's still hip-hop and i think that there's some I think that there are there's a certain group of of folks who are looking at positivity within mm-hmm. their within their music and their lyrics, okay, and then there are others that are you know they're just having a good time, you know. But I sure. think that now there's a little more reflection. But what I'm what I'm hearing is there's a little more reflection about um, spaces that we're in, spaces that they're in as hip hop artists mm-hmm. and and whatever communities. They're they're representing. That's what I see. Mm-hmm. How about you, man? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I can't <laughs> necessarily speak to everything that's going on now, but I just I was thinking about how I would, you know, classify those things. We started earlier talking about that, like spoken word and you know, dead poets, Marvin Gaye, et cetera, et cetera, working their way on up. But then what what started to emerge at the early times of hip hop was different groups of people like you had these multiple um kind of areas where people were experimenting similarly with as Mm -hmm. the dj and it all became about you and your crew right right and so the idea is that you would have these kind of like rap battles right you get together on a street corner somebody djs and then you get a group or a solo person out there and what they do is it becomes this kind of playful combat like kind of a verbal combat and yeah. part of that is is building up the self and attacking the other person yeah verbally mm-hmm. right and it i was just i don't know it was just thinking about this now but like if you carry that through to its logical conclusion think about like gangster rap in the 1990s Mm -hmm. east coast versus west coast and it was it it devolved into violence yeah right yeah i i I would i was you know 
like I said, that show that I was watching, I, I would think about um, Big Daddy Kane. I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys remember yep. the B I G D A double D Y K A N E, dramatic Asiatic. That means plenty. I mean, it was guys. <laughs> it was guys like that who were who were looking at, you know, this is what I can do. I can. I don't care who you are. I can battle you word for word, and I'm going to win because mm-hmm. my vocabulary is bigger than your vocabulary. And yeah, so then and then it it seems like it it, it you know hip hop the origins it's New York it's 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 the the greater New York area it's spreading down the East Coast and um, but there was hip hop going on in the South. And in on the obviously on the West Coast that people weren't connected to in, the, in I think in those beginning stages it was mainly the the greater Northeast New York area New Jersey Philadelphia Baltimore up in that area and then as as the um, as the music evolved and more people came about it it was the West Coast and then it was East Coast. And West Coast, then it was East Coast versus West Coast and vice versa, mm-hmm. yeah. which I think was, um, you know, the origins of that, I think, are fascinating. Um, well, it's, uh, it's kind of the opposite message that Marvin Gaye was trying to trying to. And I think that about. I think that, um, quite honestly, that was strategic. I think that that was something that record companies, uh, they played on that. I think that there were some yeah. record companies that looked at that and said, you know, um, we're gonna we're gonna play on this mm-hmm. and and take it to wherever, and um, it became it became deadly. Yeah. Quite honestly, it became deadly. When you start battling over you know finite resources or whatever or scarce resources, then that can be sort of manipulated, and then people yes. get territorial about it. Right? Yes, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting, but I do think that you know that that that. The idea of developing the craft is something that I still really admire about hip hop artists, at least those that really try to develop their craft and, you know, develop vocabulary and have that ability to just off the cuff, just go at somebody yes. or, or develop this kind of rhyme. Uh, you know, that stuff just, it fascinates me. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and all that stuff is great. Um, oh, man. Uh, who sings uh, How Much a Dollar Cost? Uh, uh, I can't believe I can't remember his name. He's like one of the most popular rappers out right there right now. Oh no, uh, um, I'm out of my depth. <laughs> I don't know either. Kendrick, um, Kendrick Lamar. It's Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. I can't. I couldn't remember his okay. name. Kendrick Lamar has an album that came out oh maybe two years ago, um, two or three years ago, and it's just him experimenting with his friends in their basement and just working through things. And like his friend would pick up a guitar and just start kind of playing a few notes, and he would just kind of start like building a song, and it it, it never led to any like concrete hard music it was just kind of an album of listening to them develop music and i thought mm-hmm. that was a really really interesting look into into like the process at least his process mm-hmm. um and i think like every song is just like untitled one untitled two untitled, and it's i think it's like 15 15 songs quote unquote mm-hmm. that are just them working their way towards some sort of musical coherence and I, there there's some really good stuff in there and it doesn't last that long and it's kind of it makes you hungry and want to listen to more of it but you know, you only get like this, like thirty seconds of when they finally hit their their stride in the song, and you're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is this is great! I want to hear the song of this." But then it just ends because they're oh, on to the next one. We're gonna right. work our way towards this. And this may surprise you, Joey, but I am not an expert on 
<laughs> on hip hop today. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> but I do know that every time I've heard something that Kendrick Lamar has done, yeah. I, it's impressive. I just feel like sure. he's one of the more impressive artists just because he's experimenting with the the, the form also in mm-hmm. interesting ways mm-hmm. and it, and kind of collaborating with like, um, you know, other just different like mm-hmm. jazz musicians or doing this kind of other like jazz influenced hip hop stuff, which is, it resonates with some of the, that that earlier stuff, but it's also new in its own way. Yeah. So even just thinking about um, like Eric B and Rakim, right? Like just classic jazz baseline, and then mm-hmm. on top of that, it's just don't sweat the technique. You that's know? right. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's. I think that's what makes you know that that music is is just great, great music. You know, listening to somebody like Eric B and Rakim. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then you had, of course, in the 1980s, socially conscious uh, hip hop. Public enemy, right? right? Okay. Like takes a nation's a million, taking takes a nation of millions to hold us back, back. Right? right? Fear of a black planet, yeah. Like all these, all these things. I mean, it's really great sampling Malcolm X speeches, right? Oh, right. And really yeah. trying to raise that consciousness of specifically the black community mm-hmm. to you know know their roots. Number one, mm-hmm. kind of revisit some of that that kind of foundational, uh, the intellectual tradition, you know. Um, but but then again, like I said, I think that the you know the de-evolution of somebody like the of Public Enemy, I mean, that was strategic. Those mm-hmm. guys get you know some one guy gets has something happen, and then um, basically they pit that person against the other members of the group, yeah. and then they you know they dissolve and they're big in Europe, mm-hmm. but um, still to this day they still tour Europe, but you know now over here it's well and people you know again like you said record companies profit off of conflict right yes. like people people want conflict i mean mm-hmm. i think that they are drawn towards it because then it lets them take a side and it lets them kind of have a feeling like they're part of it mm-hmm. and then that's just exploited and turns into violence and stuff yeah yeah so. but i think it's a, it's coming back around where people are much yeah. more socially conscious i mean meek mill uh yeah. with what happened to him um you know uh he's combined now with uh the Philadelphia Eagles mm-hmm. and the and uh, Robert Kraft, the owner of the uh, New England Patriots, they're doing some things um, in terms of bail money for. I can say this because he's from Philadelphia, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean they're trying to they're trying to do some things that really are helping folks who have been either imprisoned or wrongfully imprisoned. Um, you know, they're just they're just trying to make some positive steps out there. One of the positive like rappers out there right now that that I like when it comes to like positivity like that I can think of now is Chance the Rapper. I think is a really positive no positive guy out Absolutely. there right now. He's no question. I mean, like Sunday Brunch is like one of my favorite songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no question. He's definitely one of the top guys. Yeah, and, and, and like it, like it's nice to hear like such a positive message coming out. Mm-hmm. So along those lines, I mean. Your son also is a hasn't he? He's performed with Chance the Rapper, right? Or yeah, he opened. An, my son opened for yeah. Chance yeah. Uh, the Rapper. Yeah, so he and he does positive uh, Christian yep. music, so, Christian so. hip hop. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Paul, do you have anything else you want to talk about with, but either with Marvin Gaye or kind of the evolution of hip hop or, or anything else? I would encourage your listeners to go and pick up a copy of that Marvin Gaye album and, and listen to it from beginning to end. Listen without, to it from beginning to end. Don't don't hit shuffle. Don't like don't, I did. Don't hit shuffle. Just listen to it and really listen to the lyrics. What this guy is saying. Yeah. We should also say, I mean, not to place a kind of morbid bookend on this, but it was what's going on, and then let's get it on right, yeah. which was released shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. 
And at that point, the relationship between Marvin and his father began to deteriorate. Yeah. His father did not approve of his lifestyle, of mm-hmm. the idea of free love and, you yeah. know, separating out the difference between love is love and sex is sex. And they should be treated as two different things. And eventually, I mean, Marvin Gaye was killed by his own father. Yeah. And that, that, that was, was like mid-70s, late mid-70s. 70s, yeah. And yeah. so it was another one of those events where, you know, just someone who's out kind of speaking his own truth and then, you know, it just sort of deteriorated, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, that, that 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 was really sad, uh, but it was also about what was going on at that time, too, because there were a lot of, I think, uh, young black males at that particular time who had come back from Vietnam, um, folks who had just missed Vietnam and were and we're heading to college and um, instead of uh, living inner city, you could move pretty much wherever, if you, you know, if you had the resources, uh, you're going to school, different places. Uh, so the realities of, of, you know, and, and Marvin's father was a preacher, Yep. you know, so there's always conflicts between, you know, a, a sibling and, and, and their parent who's a preacher. Mm-hmm. especially in the black community. So, you know, as he was trying to, I guess, find his way and, you know, you, at that point you could date whoever you wanted, you know, mm-hmm. because before previous you couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so now it's, it's a different time. People are living differently. Um, there's, there's, there are a lot of social implications to this day of what all of that has meant on this country. Absolutely. Paul, I got to ask you one more question. Yes, sir. You were around for the the emergence of hip hop, right? Around this, mm-hmm. that, that same time. Did you ever own a tracksuit? Uh, as a matter <laughs> of fact, uh, I did have a tracksuit. I did have a tracksuit. Yeah. Was it uh, all Adidas? Like you got the three stripes, you got no, the, the sneaks on too? No, I didn't. I, I wasn't an Adidas guy. Um, okay. That was, you know, that was. That was a little after me with uh, Run DMC and sure, you know sure. those guys. No, it was just uh, it was it was a, I remember it was a blue bluish color, and I was telling you earlier I had one that was kind of purple, mm-hmm. and I remember taking that to Bermuda. I went on a cruise to Bermuda, and I had that with the with purple shoes with it. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I yeah I was I was uh, you know everybody had a tracksuit back then, <laughs> and a Kangol. You had to have a Kangol. Kangol, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. got to have the hat on. <laughs> Well, as uh, as they say, I judge wisely, as if nothing ever surprised me, lounging between two pillars of ivory. <laughs> you have to give them the reference, man. Let them know who that is. You don't. You, I have no idea what that is. You know what I'm <laughs> no, no. That's Guru, wasn't it? No, that's um, uh, Wu Tang Clan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got brush up on my Wu Tang. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cash rules everything around me. Cream. Cream. Get the money. money. Dollar, dollar dollar bills, bills y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you for listening. I could get. I got more in me. Too, oh boy. We better stop. We better. We cut better this stop off. before Ben just just this dissolves into a half hour of Ben just rapping. But uh, thank you, thank you so much for being here, Paul. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Paul. And thanks for listening to this episode of uh, of uh, Residual Culture. Yeah, I guess we're not going to do any emerging culture this week. Probably not. But no. we'll uh, we'll be back again next week with a new episode. Uh, if you liked the opening song tonight uh, or today, that is Finder by People with Bodies. Yes, and you and- can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter at Residual Culture. You can also email us at residualculturepodcast at gmail.com. Yep. And uh, this has been Residual Culture. I'm Ben Birkenbein. I'm Joey Lovato. 
Ein paar Mal zu. Danke, Rosmann. Geht in die Welt.